Hey everybody, welcome to the People First Podcast. We've got episode eight ready to crack out for you with one of my good and longtime friends, Vincent Bell. Vinny, how you going, buddy? Yeah, good, thanks. Shane, how are you? Not too bad. Thanks for joining us all the way from Tasmania. Yeah, I came back down after obviously COVID-19. Um, had to make a quick dash before the border closed, but ended up doing our two-week isolation at home and and here we are now in the in the cold rainy depths of Tasmania from the warm sunny place of Penrith. It's uh it's definitely a, a very different world I, I I'd assume from all the stories I've heard you tell me um Tasmania versus Penrith is is extremely contrasted almost right? Yeah yeah I mean just the the hustle bustle and I mean people probably think Penrith is like a a small town or maybe borderline city. I know that like it's, it's getting up there with Parramatta and a few of those other big places. But when you do live in Launceston or a small coastal town in Tassie, it's I mean, Launceston's maybe 60,000, people. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's quite contrasting. There's, there's a huge difference in uh, just, I mean, a Westfield Plaza. We've got a main street. So that, that sort of explains the, uh, the level of, of, of difference. Yeah, now obviously the COVID nineteen stuff. You know, we've got everyone in in isolation, and 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 it's, uh, it's for good good measures. We're we're getting people you know healthy. We're keeping people healthy, keeping people safe. But um, you know, I'm really thankful that you got the opportunity to jump on here. I think it just enhanced our ability to um to get this conversation underway. Knowing that you are far and far and far away, it means I have an opportunity to give you a phone call and sort of dive inside some of your life and just like the podcast is all about and that is about you know getting inside the minds of people who have gone through some challenges in life, who have experienced maybe some times where they weren't feeling amazing. So it can be a little bit dark, can be a little bit sad, but on the other side, the reason I'm speaking to all of these people, yourself included, is because you have come out of that cloud or not even come out but working your way through those clouds and you want to help other people. Now, I really want you to give me the introduction to who Vincent is. Tell me who you are, what you're about, and if you were on Elevator giving everyone in that room a little bit of a speech on who you were, what would you say? Sure. So, yeah, as you said, my name is Vincent Bell. I'm uh, 29 years old, live in northern in Launceston in northern Tasmania. Uh, I spent the last year up in Sydney. That's obviously where we met. Uh, my partner, Fiona, is with the... Um, Women's National Training Centre for uh, rowing. So she's obviously this is throwing a big spanner in the works for her preparation. But she was um, she was aiming for Tokyo Olympics. Um, wow. Yeah, love love CrossFit, love cycling, love just trying to keep my fitness levels up so I can maybe keep up with her in training. But <laughs> um, it's always it's, it's something to strive for, I guess. Yeah. So you're a bit of an all round sportsman, you say? Yeah, I, I mean I. Jack of all, master of none. Um, I, I enjoy nearly everything I do. Um, it makes it really difficult to then focus and hone in on specific sports or elements of sport or training. But I mean, I, I really I found CrossFit, and um, I honestly do believe that the community that that brings and and just the involvement in in movement um, is one of the best things that anyone can do. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really loving my CrossFit, not taking it too seriously, but I think that's what holds the enjoyment for me is just like, not not that it's a joke, but having a laugh and training with mates and yeah, just 
being a bit of a larrikin. Yeah, that camaraderie and that, that you know, that community and, and bonding over, I guess, a little bit of suffering. I think any type of suffering can, can bring people close together. And not that, you know, when you say, when I say suffering, some people might think, well, why would I want to suffer? But in training, you have to suffer to grow a little bit. And I think, uh, I think it's kind of what you said, you know, it does bring you closer to your mates and it does give you a really good feel of connection and belonging. So yeah, it's really cool to see that. But uh, having Siona as, um, as your partner, how long did you say you guys have been together for now? Uh, so we, um, we got together in school. Um, I think this year is, year number 12 so nice. we got engaged two years ago um and obviously haven't really started planning anything she's got enough on her plate um at the moment with her training and and whatnot uh so we're just taking it easy and it'll happen when it happens really i'm not not too stressed at the moment i'm sure the stress will come but um yeah so 12 going on 12 years together you know, one of the questions I got, I guess, when I said that I was having a chat with you was about Siona and, and about you guys balancing her sporting career. You know, being in line for the Tokyo Olympics means that there's a huge amount of sacrifice, not only for Siona, but also for you as a, her, her partner. You know, what type of um, what type of relationship does that create? Uh, it, it creates some stress. I mean, it's a, it's a matter of managing that stress and the emotion attached to it. Um, I can... I'm a very emotional person, but at the same time, uh, I can have a calculated uh, conversation and remove emotion from it, no matter who I'm speaking to. So that in itself can create some issues because it may seem as though I'm not being caring when I'm discussing certain aspects of either what she's been through or how her day was. Um, but in saying that, it's she's a very structured person, so that does rub off on me. I was structured from uh, previous employment in the military, but as you become a civilian you, and you get a bit more room for movement, you you do lose a bit of that structure, but not all of it. I, I still like routine. I like to be regimented, but yeah, there's. I mean, I'm not doing that now, so there is room for movement. Now the army does interest me. So you were you're in the army for how long? Uh, so I joined straight out of school. I didn't know what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. Um, went to the career advisor as a lot of uh, seven, young 17-year-old kids who are a bit lost and don't know where they want to go, what they do. And um, and she said, oh, have you thought about thought about the Army, thought about Duntroon? And I, no, what's this? And um, went through the aptitude testing and, and whatnot, didn't really think much of it, and then um, got a letter in the mail saying, you've been accepted, pack your bag. So oh, wow. a young 18-year-old shipping himself off to Canberra um, to study at the Royal Military College, and I did. I had no idea what I was in for. Yeah. Um, it was completely different to what I was anticipating, but I ended up being in the military for just under three years serving um, and I actually got medically discharged and uh, while I was serving had two shoulder reconstructions and one post discharge so it was a very uh, busy short career but it was something that I would not change about my life it it, um, introduced me to some of my closest friends um, and I just 
once again, that camaraderie and, and that friendship that you get, I don't think you can get that anywhere else. So, yeah, I wouldn't change that for the world. Now, was it just the the training that was so brutal on your body? What what was it from all the so the medical injury, the medical um, discharge was the, from the, the discharge. Yep, was from the the shoulder yeah. reconstructions and stuff like that. Yeah, so so I had I, we were doing a military um, self defense course and weapons disarming um, when it, I dislocated my shoulder the first time, uh, tore ligaments, um, and then. I was in a rehab platoon doing a fitness test to get back into the regular, my regular company and um, actually injured my shoulder again. So shoulder reconstructions, if people don't know, are usually 12 to 18 months for mm-hmm. full recovery. They're, they're quite a, if you're lucky. as much as they're a small body part, they're a very big joint. With tens um, of thousands of different actual, movements, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not just a hip or a knee that go one way, they go X, Y, Z axis. Um, so it was just the timeline and um, what they deemed was uh, not feasible to, to keep rehabilitating me while I was serving. So they um, they decided and they asked if I agreed and, well, I wasn't really there to argue with them. But it definitely, um, definitely was a change being forced out. But once again, I'm... I'm where I am now because of that. So I'm a big believer in uh, things happen for a reason. 100%. And, and obviously this podcast is all about challenges. I mean, that in itself is already a huge one. You're an 18-year-old Vincent now, 21, and, and sort of just being discharged from the army. What did you do from there? Yeah, so so that was um, probably my first major challenge as an adult, I would say. Um, they were all obviously small challenges whilst in the military but you're out there like out doing field exercises when it's freezing cold you're laying in a puddle you you don't want to be there but, but I mean that's mental fortitude that's not really a, that's not really a challenge um my challenge I mean my first challenge came yeah as you said 21 discharge from the army very regimented structured life for two years an alarm at 6am every day. Well, that's a thing. Your, your, your life as an 18-year-old to versus my life as an 18-year-old would have been would have been completely different. You know, I had no structure, no regimented behaviours. I was, you know, at that point in my life quite um, unruly, so to speak. But uh, whereas you're the complete opposite and you come out at 21 and, and now you're forced to go, okay, well, what, what do I do? Like, Yeah, well, I, I, I was probably quite similar to you entering into the military um, I didn't have a lot of direction I had a great upbringing but that direction sort of I, I suppose Vincent was a bit lost with what he wanted mm. in that he just didn't know so um, yeah so I came out obviously something the one thing I wanted had been taken away from me um, and that was a huge struggle um, being told like obviously I've, I've, I've just done two years in um, it is. It was something that I wanted to and could see myself doing as a career, um, or first career for an extended time, five, ten years, um, and then to have that basically pulled out from underneath you, and you be told, "Yep, you're not doing that anymore." That was a huge shock and a huge adjustment. Um, and I was, yeah, unemployed for a little bit. Um, got a few odd jobs kicking around but yeah really really did struggle with um with that adjustment to back to civilian life yeah i could only i can only imagine the challenges but 
Again, this podcast is all about those challenges. Now, I did really want to get uh, stuck into some some things that we've been talking about over the last few uh, few months, especially. And uh, yep. and this probably brings me to my next point. And, and I always ask my guests, you know, obviously you've got the challenges of life, and there are multifaceted challenges that happen throughout our entire life. If you were to think of the biggest challenge you've had to date, where would that take you? Where would your mind go? Uh, so it, I know exactly where it goes. It goes back to the morning of the 9th of April um, last year, 2019. Um, I found out that my father had successfully committed suicide. Um, and that was a huge, as you can appreciate, huge shock. Um, and it rattled me. It, yeah, it's something that I... I think about daily, um, not in a negative way. I, I try and remember the man for who he was, but yeah, it's something that that will stick with me for the rest of my life. Now, it's something that I was uh, a, a part of. Um, you know, I was here at the gym. I remember you saying, um, I, I remember you looking down at your phone and you sort of looked, ex- you looked pale, you looked not well and you went quiet and we're trying to sort of get through to you. I was convinced everything all right, and then you sort of went, I, I need to go. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd had a feeling, and it, he, he was someone that struggled with mental illness for, for quite some time. He'd unsuccessfully attempted suicide a year or so prior, and I thought that was it. I thought he'd sort of come out the other side of, like, seen the light and come through it himself. Um, but he was obviously battling his own demons. Um, being in Sydney was... It almost made it easier for me because I wasn't local. I wasn't there. I couldn't go to his house, so to speak. Like I, I, it, it removed me from that situation a bit. So that that made it easier on me being away. But at the same time, um, it it made it extremely difficult. I couldn't like. So the first thing that I thought of when you know you left the gym that morning, I'm pretty. I'm positive you were here. Um, and you just went, you just left straight away. I, I remember saying to Chloe that I could not imagine now having to go collect my thoughts, organize a way to get to Tasmania, sit on a plane for, what is it, four hours or something? How long is it? Three hours? Uh, it's, I never fly into Tasmania. About, oh, it's a one and a half direct flight time. So, yeah, by the time you get to an airport, bug exactly around right. and get picked up on the other. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, so three four hours, especially traveling from Penrith. <sighs> sitting there, um, so there's an hour on a train as well. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm sitting there, Santa Chloe. You know, now Vincent has that entire time, four hours from door to door, to sit there and just think about stuff. I mean, I could. What, what were some of the thoughts that went through your mind from, you know, the morning of, you know, the ninth of April? Um, that first that first morning now when you what like you went home and planned flights you told Siona who was the first person you spoke to um so I'd, I'd actually um funnily enough my uncle's wife was a counselor that he that my father had been speaking to different sides of the family but Tassie everyone's close um <laughs> so I'd, I'd got in touch with my uncle asked if if Rita had um if she'd been speaking with him um, and no one had heard from him and that sort of the flow on effect. And then, um, yeah, so I, I made a few phone calls and then found out the news, called my uncle back, um, yeah, left the gym. As, as you said, I was checking my phone quite 
consistently throughout the workout. I was probably interrupting the class, which I, I apologise for. I don't um, think anyone's going yeah, to hold dro- you accountable. Drove, um, I drove from from the gym to the um, the women's training centre to where Fiona was, uh, trying to call her. I uh, finally got through to her. She was actually in a meeting with, I think, two or three of the senior Rowing Australia officials. Um, I can't remember that. Yeah, so so they were in a meeting. Um, I was in tears. Um, her and a few of the other girls came out and just um, tried to console me a bit and and just comfort me. Um, my but my uncle actually he he booked flights, um, organised everything, paid for it for us for Siona and myself. So and he met us at the airport as well in Sydney. So so we got the train in, met him at the airport, um, had a bit of a chat. And um, yeah, but the thoughts—I'd almost say they were non-existent. Almost um, a state of numbness. You go into, yeah, yeah. You go into just, just paralysed. Like you, you know you're there, but you, it's yeah. It's just I—I've I, never felt that way um, previously, and it's not something I would like to experience again. Um, but yeah, it was almost just a sense of nothing um, and it was horrible so one of the man, it makes me sad man it actually makes me a little bit choked up just thinking about um, sort of how how that must have felt yeah, yeah it's, I mean it's uh, people say like oh, how do you deal with it but I, I mean and this is something I'm a big believer in that you don't deal with something like that you adjust to it mm. Oh, I don't well think said. anyone, I don't think anyone could ever say, "Oh yeah, no, like yeah, dad died, but yeah, I'm over it." Mm. No one's ever over something like that. Um, well, I, I, to me, I don't think anyone's ever over it. But yeah, I, I just feel as though it's an adjustment, and and you think about the good times, you remember the positives, and and you've you've got to be happy and live your life because there's no point getting bogged down in in the past that's happened. It's you learn from it and, and you, yeah. know, you don't move on, but yeah, you adjust. One of the um, most comforting things I remember reading, um, I don't even know where I read it, but I read that energy in this world, um, you know, it, it it can't be destroyed, just transferred. And and that, that gives me comfort, whether or not that is true the way I'm thinking of it and whether or not I'm actually, you know, utilizing the, the quote well enough, but to know that okay your dad's energy is is still here it's just not i just can't physically see it with my eyes makes me feel very good it makes me feel better inside myself to know that now your dad's presence although it's not in a physical location at this at this point in tasmania it is now you know it is just transferred into the into the ground into the air into the you know everything around me you know, I'm sure there's, yeah. a, there's a whole bunch of science buffs that are listening saying, Shane, no, that's not correct. But in my mind, that, that works so well to know that the energy that your father had is now with you, it is now with Siona, it is now with your family. It is all around you. That's, for me, comforting. Yeah, it is. And, and I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing going through mental illness. And one of the, and it, I don't know if it might sound cliche, but I mean, he's not in pain anymore. So... You don't know what people are feeling mentally, physically. Um, I'd seen him in some. I mean, he was a a great businessman. He was a great man, and and I'd I'd seen him 
curled up on his couch in his pyjamas trying to do his bookwork crying like and, and that that's horrible to see like your 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 father your like for me my, like one of my heroes my biggest influence was my dad and to go around and then almost have the roles reversed and end up being a parent to your parent is really really weird and it's it's a really scary thing to have to try and do and how close were you and your dad um, for 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 your life? Like, were you guys quite tight? Yeah, yeah, we were. Um, I, I think, like, I mean, a lot. I know your situation's a bit different, but you've got your—is uh, it Russell? Your yeah, Russell. Do you consider your father? Yeah, yeah. So you've got Russell, but like, I didn't. And uh, as a lot of kids, I didn't appreciate my parents until I got a bit older, and then I'm like, okay, they're not losers, and they're not out to get me like they're actually they're my parents they're cool I can have a drink with them I can have some banter and enjoy their company then that was um that was really refreshing when I figured that out I don't know how old I was when that was the case but um yeah we were we were really close um I actually worked for my my parents had family businesses growing up so as well as other other um employment but I always got my work ethic from my dad um from a young age, whether it was washing dishes in a restaurant or serving fish and chips or stocking shelves in a small supermarket that we had, um, I was always out to, to earn a buck and then in turn spend it on something I wanted. But I, he taught me the value of, of items, money, hard work. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I am who I am today because of him. That's beautiful, man. And I think, um, I think your dad's spirit lives on in, in not only you, but you know, you've, you've got family members, brothers and so, and so forth who that's going to happen for. And how is, so that brings me up though, for my next point, how has the family been? Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it almost brought us closer together, which is a really juxtaposed thing. when someone like someone leaves yet everyone else gets closer. So, it was weird. Like my my dad's side of the family is all over the world. Um, his father's passed away, but his mother's Queensland. He's got sisters in the UK, New Zealand, and then a brother in Ireland. So his family really is everywhere. Whereas uh, my mum's side of the family is all in Tassie. So we were always a lot closer with mum's side growing up. But in saying that, they've been just as if not even more supportive now um, since that passing than they were beforehand. So they loved him. I think everyone who met him loved him. Um, yeah, and everyone's, everyone misses him. But yeah, like, like I said before, you think of the good times and, and don't, dwell on the, don't dwell too much on the past. That makes me want to know, Vincent, what, what was one of the best times that you do remember with your dad? Oh, I think when we were younger, he um his first career, I suppose his first career um, when I was around um, was an abalone diver. So he would spend weeks away at a time um, diving, spending eight hours underwater a day. Um, and I think some of the best memories were we had a um a shack over on the west coast of Tasmania in a small coastal town called Granville Harbour. Um, and Granville Harbour would probably be residents to maybe 20 people. Wow. Um, I mean, everyone knows everyone. Two families. They're, 
yeah, like there's, you don't have fences between properties. There's just a house next to like, it was just literally a small coastal fishing village. And um, some of my best memories were, yeah, going over there like, at the end of his, end of his uh, couple of weeks and we'd, we'd ride the motorbikes, we'd go to the beach, go diving ourselves, he'd take us out and put all in the shallow water. But yeah, show us the ropes and show us what he did and yeah, have that love and affinity for the ocean. And I think, yeah, being in Tassie, it's, uh, it's very calming for me now when I when I do go to the coast to just listen to the water, listen to the waves crash and, and just think about nothing. Is it something that when you sort of sort of go into the ocean if you've been into the ocean but or hear it or see it 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 automatically makes you feel like your dad's around um look i've yeah i've always had i've always loved the ocean and i i do think it's from him um and i i do i just find it relaxing um and it's not the same as just obviously going to your backyard and jumping in a pool um it's a lot more raw Mm. that nature um the, the elements like the wind, the, the temperature, like everything is just so much more exhilarating. Um, but yeah, I do really think that there's certain places I, I'd go now and yeah, it just, just makes me think and makes me feel. And yeah, it does, it does feel as though I'm a bit closer with him in, in certain areas of Tassie and like, yeah, the coast being one of them. So you said before, Vincent, that um, you know it's not something that you you feel that you just get over, and, and I totally agree with you. I mean, someone would be absolutely silly to say, "Oh, have you gotten over it?" or "Do you feel like you've gotten over it?" And you use the word adjust. You said it's just something that now you adjust your life. So not only do you now have all those thoughts and, and emotions um, that are at the surface of your mind, but now you have to adjust your life and. Where has the biggest adjustment come from? Or what has um, been the biggest adjustment for you that you've noticed to help you adjust to the situation that you're living? Uh, the, well, the biggest adjustment, and it's um, it's the simple things, like every time you open contacts in your phone, your dad's not there. Mm. Um, that was a really big one that I deleted his number. Um I didn't do it straight away, but it was a really, and, and and it felt a little bit more detached when I did, but that was something I felt that I needed to do to adjust to the situation. I couldn't pretend that he was still there because mm. he was he was in my heart, but he, his physical being, his presence, that number wasn't going to get me anywhere. So I didn't feel as though that was going to be helpful for me. Um, but I mean... My my brothers, my support from them. So I've got two younger brothers, um, Oliver and Gabriel. Um, they've been huge. Uh, Siona has been a massive rock for me, um, even though I don't probably tell her enough. Um, you have been fantastic. Our open gym sessions. I I used to, and hopefully I'll get back up there. But yeah, I used to love coming in and and complaining about what you had planned and and just spitballing ideas and. And yeah, using that gym as just this little Pandora's box that nothing escaped from. We could say what we wanted and yeah, and just cool. have that support from one another. So, and then also um, the affiliate I train at down here, CrossFitted Gym, and Nathan Geard, the owner, um, he's been a huge, huge support 
for me as well and um, a really good mate. So I'm really lucky with, with who I have. And I've got plenty of other mates as well around me that um, that I could name that have helped me out and have been there for me. But, yeah, really lucky with who I have around me and, and the support network. Do you feel that there's a part of life that you haven't adjusted to yet that you've kind of put to the wayside and went, you know, I just can't deal with that right now? Um, it's, I don't know, to be honest. Um, it was like, yeah, all, all this happened, obviously, like I said, April last year. So November last year actually would have been his 60th birthday. And then it was also December first Christmas without him. So a lot sort of rolled into one. Oh, and then there was Father's Day as well in that. So a lot of sort of big adjustments came and went really quickly before we'd probably actually adjusted to the fact that he was gone anyway. So I think that may have helped as well, just because ripping a Band-Aid off, I guess, Shane, like you you don't want to do it slowly. Um, But in saying that, yeah, I, I don't really know. I think there will be future adjustments to be made. I mean, getting married, he won't be there. When I have a child, my first child, he won't meet my child. My child won't meet his grandfather. Yeah. Um, so I think there it will be a constant adjustment. I don't think the adjustment has been made. Yeah, and they're the ones I'm talking. Like they're the ones I'm referring to. That they're the adjustments. I'm like, you know what we. We can't predict all of them, and, and there are going to be future adjustments. Like that, that's the, that was one of the things that, that come to my mind when I brought that question up was you know wedding and and the birth of your first child, yours and Siona's. Well, you know, if Siona allows you to marry her and to have, well, have her first kid. One one day once she's uh, she's fulfilled her her career and ambitions, her yeah. goals, which I'm fully supportive of. But yeah, yeah one day we'll. Um, I mean, they're the we'll adjustments. Family, and they're the adjustments. I think, like you know what, like. They're tough, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've 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 got mates having having kids at the moment, um, like schoolmates having kids, and just seeing seeing how it's changed their lives and and everything. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like. But at the same time, I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to think too much about it now because it's it's a future, not problem, but it's not a now issue. There's no point trying to yeah plan it now because who knows what's going to happen by then exactly and as a as a dad um you know in the future you you as a dad in the future if you if you become one do you think that this will be something that you bring up um with your kids and and how how would you so how would you bring this sort of stuff up you know Um, potentially yeah i i I think there'd have to be it. There'd be an age at which I, I would, mm-hmm. but I would want them to know I'm not embarrassed about um, about the situation. Um, I don't think anyone should be embarrassed if they've got any mental health issues or if they've got any um, any anxiety or depression or any ill thoughts. It's not that it's natural, but it's. It is what it is. You can't change that. You're not weird. You're not diseased. You're not like you're mentally unwell. But that's okay. There's support out there. Yeah. Um. But it'd be a matter of finding the right age to do that. Um. And at the moment, I'm not really sure what age that would be. Um. But I think it would be 
I think it would be cruel for them not to know. I think the stigma around mental health needs to change, um, and the only way, and the only way that that changes is people talk about it as not not as a normal thing that happens, but don't don't try and be hush about it. Like it does happen, and and we need to bring light upon that it is happening and it needs to stop. So nailed it because that's yeah, exactly it, why it, I brought it up is so that people. You know, because some people might keep those details secret from, you know, their kids, from, from their friends and stuff. And I don't know, you know, why why would you keep that stuff secret? Because if you do, it only makes the situations for for others worse. Oh, 100%. And I suppose that's the, one of the biggest issues is you, you don't know. I mean, suicide in itself, even thinking about the effect it would have on on your friends and family how much pain you must be in to think that that is the best thing to do. Like it, it's crazy to actually to contemplate what what levels of pain and angst people must be going through to have that as, as the only option. Now, just while we're on that topic anyway, just so that people listening can sort of get a, a reference, is there anybody that you would send – if I come to you and I asked for some help, Vincent, if I wasn't doing well, if I was feeling depressed, suicidal, if I wasn't adjusting to some things and, and I reached out to you, who would you recommend people see or people get um, some help from? Yeah, sure. So there's um, straight up, there's lifeline.org.au, uh, headspace.org.au, living.org um, and the blackdoginstitute.org.au. So all have websites, all have hotlines, um, but just just even reach out to anyone, reach out to me, hit me up on on social media, send a message if you need a chat. Um, yeah, just don't feel alone. Just there's always someone there that is more than willing to lend an ear and 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 listen, and and that's all you need sometimes is someone there just to to be a sponge and take it all in just to get it off your chest. It's um, some amazing references and, and um, services that we have here in New South Wales and all over Australia and all over the world. So it is really cool to to hear you say all those and to know that there is help out there. And, you know, I, I've personally used some of those services and it's not something that someone should be embarrassed about. Um, you know, I've No, no, the, the stigma needs to be removed. Um, it's, I mean, it, it is what it is. <laughs> that's as I mean it sounds very simple which it's a very complex issue but yeah it's people people get depressed people get anxious there's, is, a, there is help there is help out there it is something that um you might so you know I'll, I'll talk about my experience with it it wasn't something that I knew I needed and it, and it wasn't something that I needed for a long period of time but I was going through some 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 things in my life, especially around when Quinn was born, um, you know, trying to deal with being a dad, being a new dad and, and owning a business and, you know, trying to be a good husband and whatnot. And I reached out to some of these services because of the pressure and the depression that I was feeling. And uh, it was as simple as sending a text. Like I literally just wrote a text to this service and, and I got some, some, some amazing service back. So if those of you listening to this podcast and, and aren't feeling amazing, um, yeah, ask me more about how I went about that. Ask Vincent. And uh, and make sure you look at some of those references uh, that he that he put up there because yeah they can help. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's yeah, like yeah, there's there's support out there. There's people that want to help. Everyone, I reckon, that you speak to, but you've just got to you've got to take that first step and you've got to speak. 
that is that is the key communication if you if you choose to yeah you have to sure. and take that first step because you know unfortunately no one is a mind reader and no one can can answer your questions without the voice first coming from you you know it's pretty tough we can ask but and unless someone's willing to come forward and that does bring me though vincent um to my next point having mental health issues run sort of through your family with your dad being the male side you know being the eldest male do you feel there's any pressure on you and and do you feel the pressure has created or because that's a lot to go through buddy and and i don't know that i would be strong enough to to do it alone have you have you ever needed the help or have you sought sought some help or whatnot um i've definitely needed the help and gone the wrong way about it um after after my discharge backtracking a little bit um i i definitely took to alcohol as the numbing agent to my pain that I didn't realize was there. Um, and yeah, I think looking back now, I, I uh, didn't, didn't do the right things by myself, but once again, I, I had a, I had a very um, supportive GP, um, someone who I still trust to this day, um, who, who I've been, he's been my GP for, I'd say going on twelve years now. So he he's um he's been a bit of a rock for me as well and really supportive. Um but I just I try and talk open and honestly with mates, um and tell them if I'm not feeling good or, or if I've had a shit day. So I try and yeah, just, just use who I've got around me to to sort of bounce ideas off and, and bounce feelings off. Have you found since your dad's suicide that those or any type of negative thoughts in your own mind? Because I think sometimes, um, you know, well, okay, from my perspective, um, you know, he, as I was growing up as a child, um, you know, my mum was someone who threatened to take her own life uh, several times, um, you know, when she was in a bad mood. She was yeah you know she she was suffering but at the same time she would she would tell me this all of the time and she did have an attempt on her own life and there has been many times where she's almost been successful but at the same time that brought up a lot of thoughts in my mind about my own mortality uh, you know whether or not I want I wanted to be around whether or not I felt comfortable being in this life um, and those sorts of things so has that come up for you at all or has it helped um, or brought to the surface uh, any of that stuff uh, no, which is really relieving, actually. Um, I, m- my mother was really worried um, about me. Like, as you said, father's history, eldest male on his side. Um, she was very much very stern, like hand on each shoulder. Are you, are you sure you're okay? Um, but I, I just enjoy, I mean, I, life is short and I enjoy it too much to cut it shorter. Yeah. Um, I just don't see, yeah, I, I don't see that as an option, which is, I mean, I'm not saying that that one day it might change, who knows, but at the, I mean, there's days where I'm angry at him for doing it, but there's never days where I, where I think that that is a good idea, if mm. that makes sense. No, definitely. And if you were to think of the, most common emotion you've experienced through this entire thing, you know, 
what's the biggest emotion you've had to deal with? Because I think regulating our emotions can be very challenging when we have never had a reason to do it. Um, so when the reason is big enough now for you to regulate these huge emotions, these huge waves of emotion, A, what was the biggest emotion, anger, sadness, grief, you know, uh, frustration, helplessness, whatever it might have been, and how did you help yourself regulate those emotions? What was some of the things that you did to help you regulate these extreme waves of emotion? Yeah, so um, anger would be um, the biggest emotion and just getting like just snapping and getting frustrated over my insignificant things, whether someone put something on the table wrong or, or just just stupid, stupid things that I'd just snap at for no apparent reason and and I knew that I would get more angry on a day if I hadn't have trained or hadn't have gone for a walk or hadn't have gone for a ride. So for me getting out and and being physical is a um is a really big part of my um my routine to to unwind and and to let my hair down um and just relieve that that stress and that built up tension that, that creates throughout the day. Yeah, I, I've I've heard that quite a lot. That the, the routines and dealing with those emotions, you know, revolve heavily around exercise and and getting the uh, well, it's energy emotion, right? It's it's emotion. So yeah, for sure. The more we can move that energy through our body, the better. And I think the more it's going to help us because you know energy does get trapped in our systems. It definitely gets stuck in our throats, in our backs, in our in our lumbers. You know, and when we can experience physical pain from trapped emotion, it's people might think that that's woohoo, but it's it's not. It's physically proven, and it's something that. You know, when I'm feeling that I can't communicate, I get physical pain in my neck, in my throat. Like I have no communication, therefore, you know, my neck hurts a lot. So true. And to be able to move the body, like you've said, and and move those emotions around, I think is one way that anyone listening that might want to help with some of these things and, and these emotions is a great way of doing it. Um, I don't know any other better way. I mean, <laughs> definitely when you were younger, you went to alcohol to numb the, the pain, but at the same yeah. time, that just made things worse. I think this is a much healthier it, yeah. way of doing it definitely does not help um for sure alcohol is the the last thing now looking back i mean i I enjoy a drink every now and again now but even still for different reasons yeah Yeah. for different i I enjoy wine with steak now rather than just get drinking spirits until i pass out um wine with your toothbrush (laughs) yeah but um even just like getting outside and breathing just Mm. taking taking five minutes morning coffee morning 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 tea and um i saw something just recently um with with taking that time out even if it's sitting down for 10 minutes don't think of it as something you have to do think of it as a time where you don't have to do anything and that really stuck with me even though it was recent um and I, i feel as though it's a it's a really good way to look at it like you're not going outside to sit down for 10 minutes you're going to sit down for 10 minutes and you don't have to do anything else. So it just gives you that time to focus on breathing, focus on, on whatever you want, focus on, well, no one's playing sport at the moment, but just, yeah, what you're going to do for the day or just, yeah, have an empty mind and, and just sit there. I mean, have you actually paid attention to how many periods or how often we hold our breath in a day? You'd be so surprised. I've only been doing it the last week, right? I have, 
just been paying physical attention to when I hold my breath. And it's so unintentional. Like I'm not intentionally holding my breath, but I will walk around my house holding my breath. And it's because I don't, yeah. want, you know, I don't want to wake Quinn up or I don't, you know, I don't want to be loud. So I hold my breath. And then I'm walking around just thinking and I get lost and I hold my breath. And I'm like, Shane, breathe. Yeah. And I take one breath and I'm it's, like, fuck, I just feel so much better taking a freaking such a, breath. Such a simple thing yet so underutilized. Speaking of routines, Vincent, um, such a regimented dude. I know that you've had um, had that experience with being super regimented, whether or not it be your regiment or someone else's. But uh, at the same time, now as uh, the Vincent that I look at every day, what would be your routine that you take on? So at the moment, um, it's a bit nothing. Um, I, I get up in the morning, 6.30, 7 o'clock. Um, not working at the moment. Um, so try and do odd jobs around the house, get a few training sessions in, go out for a bike ride with Fiona, do some cooking, do some cleaning, but really just trying to support her and, and her goals and, and help out with her training sessions at the moment. So it's a bit um, bit mundane, but it's, it is what it is at the moment. Um, I'm sure you're feeling the flow-on effects of, uh, of this COVID and, and a bit of Groundhog Day. Yep. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it's just trying to, Look, look to the future and set some goals and get them ticked off. Yeah, the routine has changed a lot since March 23rd, which was when we were closed. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I for sure. As you know, the day that my routine changed, but it's been important for me to then take on a new one and, and adopt a new one, which is just just not as uh, I don't know, not as fulfilling as the one I would have loved to have had. But it still involves, you know, getting up in the morning. Know, making my bed, brushing my teeth, um, you know, having coffee, um, you know, making sure we spend spend time connecting with with each other and, and other people around me, and and yeah, and then uh, breakfast and so on. But the routine is so important, I think, in in all avenues of life, not just not just the the obvious of keeping things on time and whatnot. But if you were to come up with the perfect Vincent day, like the perfect Vincent day, um, what would the perfect Vincent day look like? goodness um i i i don't not that i can't i don't i choose not to go a day without coffee (laughs) i love my coffee i love my coffee machine um so it would be waking up having a coffee um once i'm up as much as i like the idea of having a sleep in or staying in bed i'm not very good at it um, painful when you when you are someone who's active it's painful to sit down and do nothing yeah else. and I, I, I if i stay in for too long i'll i'll start to get sweaty and clammy and it's just like <laughs> no nah, you've you've been pushing it just get out so it'll be getting out doing you know, probably going for a nice long bike ride in the morning no wind sunny day there's wind no hills wind no wind just downhill <laughs> uh, Hills aren't too bad. You can't really avoid them down here in Tassie. Um, they're nearly everywhere you go, but they're heading out for maybe 80, 100-kilometer bike ride, um, coming home, eating a heap of food, probably having a stretch. Otherwise, my hip flexors will get very angry, doing a workout in the afternoon and just sitting down and either playing some PlayStation or some card or board games, just chilling out. And I bring this up all of the time because I really want people to start, whoever is listening to these podcasts regularly, I want people to start to realize that it's the simple things that everyone talks about. I ask that question a lot. 
you know, what does a perfect day look like? And, and rarely is it, oh, you know, going to buy a Maserati and drive at high speed around and then, you know, go to the nightclub and, you know, spend $100,000 on alcohol for my friends. Like, that sort of stuff is not what people go to instantly. So the reason I ask that is just to show the patterning that, you know, as humans, yeah. there's so many simple needs that we have and, and so few, sorry, simple needs that we have. And, um, yeah, it's nowhere near as over the top as we all seem to think when we look on Instagram. No, it's definitely... um. It's definitely this COVID nineteen has made or made me appreciate uh, catching up with mates and being able to spend that quality time with people. Um, I'm fortunate enough at the moment that Siona and I obviously live together, but my brother's living with us as well. So that's actually as much as we have our arguments and and can get in each other's face. It, it is nice being able to. It's almost as if being young again. You're at home with your brother just doing odd jobs mucking around and it, it it is a refreshing feeling to to be able to do that and know that you're doing the right thing by staying at home <laughs> yeah exactly and and um it brings me to my next question but and, and something that we probably have a bit more time to do and i'm sure people around listening want to know but do you have any books that you recommend or podcasts you listen to or online articles or whatnot if you were to recommend yeah, it what would they be i've I'm not a huge reader, but when I read, I read. So if if I do pick up a book and I'm feeling it, then I'll I'll go through it. But um, two books that are I, that just flowed really well, um, just a bit. Oh, there's humour, but um, they're by Mark Manson. Um, one is the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and the second one is everything is fucked. A book about hope. Um, and it's just, it's just, yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw them, I thought I'll give them a go and I, I love them. Um, and then there's a bit more of a serious side. There's a book by Stephen Covey, um, and it's the seven habits of highly effective people. Um, it's powerful lessons in personal change. Um, and it's, yeah, it just, it makes you think, um, it, it, yeah, go through what different mission statements, um, and something that I've yeah gone back and reread quite a few like a few different parts at different stages. But I feel that it's something that is quite essential to to read if you do want to be successful and be be effective. It's it's a really really good book. Is there a book that you would give out as a Christmas present to all your friends? Um, I reckon it would have to be one of the Mark Manson ones. Um, I think no matter what your reading ability level is or what your whether you enjoy fiction or non-fiction fantasy, I think that, well, for, for my friends, people I associate with that have got similar, um, similar characters to me, um, I think it's something that they'd all be able to get around from my mum down to my brother to... to even Fiona's mother or father, I think that I think everyone could get around it. Yeah, awesome. I think it's. Uh, I've, I've wanted to read that book. I just haven't yet. And Christmas is coming up, so just so you know, like you know, I accept Christmas presents. Oh, you you might get one in the mail. <laughs> now, gadgets, buddy. Any gadgets that you like to use? I always like to ask this question. Just I think it's interesting to see how we uh, how we use the technology around us at our disposal. Is there anything there that you would um, not be able to go a day without, almost, other than your uh, phone? Well, yeah, I. Say I've got well my headphones that I'm wearing at the moment, my Bose, uh, what are they? 
quite comfort 35s, I think they are. Um, they've got me through many a long-haul international flights with noise cancelling, so I don't think that... I'd, I'd never be able to travel without them. Um, and... Uh, it's just around the house, probably my UE Boom, my portable speaker. Um, that's got good charge, and, yeah, I can crank it for when I'm training and and just carry it around with me. So that'd probably be the two at the moment that I'm uh, not without, but not too many other gadgets. I'm a gadget fan. I'm a fan, but it's just a matter of um, spending my money on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're always in the several hundreds of good quality gadgets. They're in the several hundreds. Yeah. But you know you save up. I mean, I got a 30th, but these Bose headphones I've had since I have the same ones. You've got the QT 35s, and I've had them since my 30th birthday. So coming up to three years worth of uh, of use, and they are now falling apart with the the earpiece. But other than that, they are fantastic too. But I just wanted to know because yeah. I love that stuff. You know, like I think you know gadgets for me. I don't know. I don't, I don't, some someone might not give a shit at all, but for me, I love that stuff. But um, oh, at the at the same time, someone might have something that you've never seen that exactly. will change that's why your I'm doing life. It. So I need to know. And one yeah. day, you know, I might get uh, a few uh, gadget sponsors trying to sponsor this podcast and be able to try out all the brand that's new gadgets. It. You know, who knows? <laughs> Always looking on the other side. Now, but just quickly before we we wrap up, and it's kind of to the, the the hour now, and I. I want to go over one last thing. Um, you know, thanks so much, obviously, for sharing uh, so much of your vulnerability about your dad's passing and um, and what you and your family have gone through. For me, that's um, that's a sign of a top top quality individual who can who can use their pain to help others. Um, part of the reason why I started the podcast was that you know I know everyone goes through things and we all go through challenges and problems. And if we can then use our voice to help, not guide, but give connection and and belonging to others then we're doing our part as humans so i did want to say thanks but i do appreciate it and um yeah it's, it's amazing that you that you had you spoke so eloquently about your family and your dad and about the situation so thank you so much no that's all right I, yeah thanks for having me i, I didn't want to hide any of it i, I feel it's, in, it's like yeah i feel very strongly that it's an important topic that that it shouldn't be just swept under the rug so i yeah that's something that I wouldn't say passionate about, but yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not ashamed that people know. And, and like I said before, if anyone does need help, there's there's plenty of avenues. There's um, Lifeline, Headspace, Living, and the Black Dog Institute, or just even pick up the phone and at times like these, give your best mate a call, give your partner a call, just open up, be honest. Yeah, good advice. Um Good advice, Vincent. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, so um, w- one last thing before we wrap up, before we 100% shut this podcast down. Seeing as, you know, you've experienced what some would think, you know, grief that that could absolutely destroy an individual, what was the one thing that got you, just so someone out there, Who's listening? Who might be experiencing some some stuff that they've maybe they've lost someone close to them. Maybe they they are losing someone close to them. What was the one thing yep. that you would hold on to with all your might? What is the one either word, one piece of advice, one thing to do, one significant thing that you did that helped you hold it together that that made your heart feel like it wasn't ripped out of your chest? Do you know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I could break it down to one word, but like family and mateship, really. Just just having people around you. Oh, excuse me. Um, and just positive thoughts. Um, I think like anything, especially this situation, don't think about the negatives. Um, think about the positives and and try and remember the positive either impact that that person had on your life or someone else's. And and I think if you think about that, you'll smile. And if you focus on the negatives, you'll you'll be down in the dump. So so try and just have a positive outlook as as much as it's a shit situation. Um, yeah, think of, think of the good times and, and remember those. Yeah, the old saying of where your attention goes, your energy flows. And if you are... 100%. You are in the dark. If you're looking at the dark, then that's where your energy goes. And so that's some good advice. One. But I, w- I wanted to end on something powerful like that where we could go, you know what, that's that's spot on. And um, yeah, thanks so much. No, no worries at all, Shane. Thanks very much for having me. Alrighty, guys. If you uh, if you want to reach out to Vincent, what's your Instagram or your Facebook connection? Hit us up. What is it? Uh, my Instagram, I'm pretty sure is. Oh, I'll just have to. Yeah, Vincent Bell ninety. So all one word. V i n c e n t b e double l nine zero. Or if you want to contact him, you can do so through us here on the People First podcast and I can get you into contact with him if you are struggling to be able to find him. But um, Vincent yeah. is, is going to be there for you. Um, I'm sure he'll Yeah, if, it. if anyone needs anything, shout out. Um, more than more than willing to lend an ear, especially at the moment. There's not a lot going on. So yeah, send me a message, send me a, give me a call, do whatever. Awesome. Thanks so much, Vincent, for your time. I really do appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for sharing all of that with us. And, uh, and yeah, have a great evening, bud. And I'll, um, I'll speak to you hopefully very soon. Hopefully you'll be moving back from Sydney soon. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll be back up in by the end of the, well, definitely by the end of the year and say good day at least. It's going to be good. I can't wait. It's going to be uh, a, a, a very good first initial workout when you get back up here. It'll be huge. Furnace land yeah. and a few other things, I reckon. Oh, I'll be, won't be coughing due to COVID, that's for sure. <laughs> It'll be short as a breath due to death by workout. Anyway, guys, yeah. I hope you have a great night. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you do like it, please go on Apple Podcasts, like, review, whatever. I'm not going to make you, but it does help us keep uh, getting quality guests like Vincent on and keeps us running. So, uh, yeah, if you want to do that, do that. If not, it doesn't bother me too much, but uh, it does make me sad that you don't want to support it. Anyway, have a great one. Thank you so much. Speak to you all soon.